Masechet Megillah, Daf 32, Lamed Bet, Lev, because this is such a beloved Masechet, and uh, we plan to complete Masechet Megillah. And we begin with a very interesting halacha, Tenora Banan, Makom Shemafsikin Bashabat Shacharit, Sham Korin Bamincha, Bamincha Sham Korin Basheni, Basheni Sham Korin Bachamishi, Bachamishi Sham Korin Shabbat Abad, Ibder Bimeir. Okay, this is not what we do. Uh, according to this, the place where we end on Shabbat morning to read the Parashat HaShavua, we start there at that point during Mincha in the afternoon. Well, that is what we do. Um, but then, let's say we read one Aliyah during Mincha. So then on Monday, we're going to continue reading from where we left off on Saturday afternoon. So let's say we'll read Sheni on Monday. And wherever we left off on Monday, we pick up from the end and continue reading on Thursday. And so I'll say that Shilishi. And then on Shabbat, you can start from the end, start from there and read from Revi'i on. And so the coin to the Bimeir, all the, uh, all the readings are, are cumulative. And therefore the Parashat HaShavua will only be, uh, you know, about uh, uh, 60% of the length of what we have today. Uh, however, there's another another opinion. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Makom Shem Afsikin Bashabbat, Shacharit, Sham Korin Bamincha, Basheniu, Bachamishi, Vela Shabbat Tabaah. So no, it's going to him, the place where you stopped reading on Shabbat morning, at the end of Parashat HaShavua, you start with the next Pasuk, and you start at the same place, Shabbat Mincha, Monday, Thursday, and the next Shabbat. You keep repeating that, that first Aliyah, and that is what we do. And it seems the reason is because uh, most people come and hear the Parashat HaShavua on Shabbat morning. Not so many people come uh, in the afternoon and during the week. And therefore, we want to make sure everyone hears the entire Torah. And so everyone comes on Shabbat morning. And that seems like uh, that, that, that was the case back then and is still the case now. And that way, um, uh, we those who do go to Minyan and can get there on Monday and Thursday will uh, learn Torah, learn some Torah. We don't, go, we don't want to go three days without learning any, any Torah and will represent the rest of the community in that way. The people that can't make it are, are, are busy going out to the field, going out to work. Uh, we'll be able to hear the whole thing. Okay. Now says the halacha is in fact like the second opinion quoted that we um, we start from the same place all of those days and keep repeating Rishon. Now, question, why doesn't he simply say halacha is like Rabbi Yehuda? Why does he have to repeat all the whole word? Isn't it a lot easier just to memorize the laws like Rabbi Yehuda? Answer is, because there are some people that have this braita in the opposite or with opposite names. Uh, they switch the names and say, this is Rabbi Yehuda and this is Rabbi Meir. And therefore, you might get confused. So which baraita do you mean when you say halakha is like Rabbi Yehuda? Therefore, it's a lot clearer just to say what the what the content of the halakha is, uh, because attributions are uh, are sometimes uh, mixed up. Okay, this is very interesting because, you know, it brings up the question of, in general of how often uh, can can we generally trust attributions? You know, this would be acceptable. We don't have another braita here that says, you know, and some people say the opposite. There, there, there are there are some tanaim, some memorizers that we the, now are quoted and say, yeah, we have the opposite. Is this the general rule or is this the exception? Hopefully it's the exception. And that's why it points it out here. Uh, because other times we do say halacha ke rabbi x uh, and y, but it does show you the uh, difficulty of 
uh, keeping the name straight uh, to make sure we know who said what. Okay, by the way, this is the opinion in the, our Mishnah also. The Mishnah only quotes own opinion, and it is, it is, it is this one, the, the second one. And that's really interesting because our Mishnah is anonymous. Generally, we have a rule that Stam Mishnah is Rabbi Meir, and an anonymous Mishnah, we assume, is the opinion of Rabbi Meir. If, however, this Baraita is correct, then the anonymous Mishnah is Rabbi Yehuda, not Rabbi Meir. So I think that general rule means it's, it's a general rule. Most of the time, an anonymous Mishnah follows Rabbi Meir. His formulation, uh, his curriculum was considered the most accurate, the best by Rabbi Yehuda Nasi, and so he chose it in general. It doesn't mean necessarily that every single anonymous Mishnah has to be Rabbi Meir. And when we see an exception, well, those are exceptions. Okay, tenora banan, another brayta. Poteach veroe, golel umevarech, vechozeru poteach vekore dibre, de bimeir. Another machloki between the same two sages. The bimeir says, if someone, when you get an aliyah, you should open up the, the Torah. In those days, they had the uh, rolling ones like Ashkenazim and the Spanish do today, not the upright ones that the Edot HaMizrach have. So you'd, but the same, same would be true. Uh, you open it up, you look for the place where you're going to read, and then you roll it, you roll it back closed, say the beracha, roll it open again, and then read. Uh, what is the reason for this? Well, you want to see the, the word that you're reading before you say the beracha for two reasons. Number one, um, if you say the beracha without noticing, without looking for the place, then you're going to have a uh, separation. You're going to have to stop We'll find the place. Where is it? And we don't. We want the beracha to be immediately followed by the Torah reading. So you want to make sure you know exactly where you're going to go. Also, because you're saying the beracha about yeah about the Torah in general is true, but you're saying it about the specific section that you're going to read. And there is even an opinion that says if you find the wrong place, if you look at the wrong place, let's say it's the same word by David, and you look at the wrong one, and then it's a problem because you didn't say the beracha on the words that you're going to read. You said it on the wrong words. Okay, in the end, if that happens, we don't say another beracha because the beracha is also on the whole Torah that uh, we are blessing. Thank you, Hashem. Notena Torah, right? But so that's the second reason. That's why you have to look at the place before you say the beracha. But then after you close it up and say the beracha and open it back up, the Gemara will explain the reason. However, the Biuda agrees that yes, you have to open it and look at the place first and then say the Beracha, but he doesn't think you have to close it again to say the Beracha and open it and open it again after the Beracha. There's no need for that. Uh, that's the Biuda's opinion. Okay, my time I did be my ear. Why is it me to say? Open it, close it, and open it again. Oh, he's going to borrow a reason from Ola, who says regarding a different halacha that the Baal Kore should not help out the translator. Generally, there were two people that would stand up there. The Baal Kore, he usually is the one that also got the Aliyah. He'd be reading the Hebrew original text from the Sefer Torah. And then you had the translator who would not be reading from anything. He would memorize the, the, the Aramaic and tell people the Aramaic. Um, now, if he forgets a word, uh, or two, other people can help him, but the Baal Koresh should not be helping him because if that happens, then people will say, oh, I guess the Aramaic is also written in the Torah. 
um, sometimes we have chumashim, uh, we have chumashim with uh, with uh, mikra and unculus on the side, or sometimes even right in the middle for people that read shetai mikra vechatargum. So people are going to think, oh look, the Baal Kore, he must have the original Hebrew and the Aramaic right there in the Torah. And they're not all seeing the, the Sefer Torah. They just see that he knows it and he's giving a, a hints to the other guy. And therefore, he should not be the one help. If he needs a helper, he'll someone else do it. So that people don't say that the Aramaic is written in Torah. Now that we know that halacha ula, we can apply the same logic here. If someone would open the Torah, look look at the place where he is. And while looking at that, says, People are going to think that he's reading the Beracha from within the text of the Torah. And it's not true that Beracha is not in the Torah. Therefore, he should close it again, say the Beracha, and then open and read. Okay, that's the reasoning of Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Yehuda. Agrees with the halacha of Ula, but he thinks that it's not the same logic regarding targum. People will uh, will make a mistake because the uh, the content is the same, right? You're reading the Hebrew, you're reading the Aramaic. It looks like it's reading in there. It's easy to make a mistake, but the berachot beracha is a little short paragraph that everybody knows. If someone's saying right, every kid who has a bar mitzvah, even if they uh, are not very observant. You can find Jews all over the place that had Bamisva, they remember that forever. So they'll recognize the Beracha and they're not going to make a mistake and say, oh, that he's reading from the from the from the Torah. It's something that you repeat all the time. Therefore, the Buddha says, don't worry about it. Good. Matana. We had the Bizera already before. Halacha Poteach And she says halacha is like the simpler, the more lenient, uh, which is you just open, open it. Look at the place and then say the beracha and read. You don't have to close it up and then open it again. And in fact, that is the halacha lemaaseh in Shulchan Aruch. You don't have to close it and open it back again. Nevertheless, there are many people that do have a custom of covering it. Um, so the, the, the Edota Mizrach uh, a Torah comes with a, a, a kerchief that's uh, strung on top. And then uh, you open it, look for the place and take the take the kerchief or a talit or something and cover it while saying the berachot and then open it again. So you see, it's not it's not an absolute halacha um, that's obligatory, but uh, the custom is uh, uh, is does tend to follow the bimeir uh, for for this reason, um, you know, out of uh, out of general respect. So um, there you go. Now, a question, same Rabbi Zerak, same question. Why does he say all the content? Just say the laws like Rabbi Yudah. And the same answer, because uh, some people have the version of this Baraita, they have the name switched. And then they're going to say, well, you said like Rabbi Yudah, but what did Rabbi Yudah say? This way or the other way? So it's much clearer just to say what the content of the law is. Okay, once we're quoting Rabbi Zerak, one more halacha. Amar Bizera also in the name of Amar Matana Haluchot vehabimot and bahem mishum kedusha wants to know that boards and platforms are not do not have sanctity. What is this referring to? Well, bima bima seems to be talking about uh, the the place where we put the Sefer Torah when when we're reading it. Um, it actually comes from a Greek word. It means uh, uh, like a stage where uh, witnesses would go. Um, and uh, and, the, and the lawyers would speak from. Uh, so it's uh, some kind of a platform for reading the Torah. 
and this is not and is not not holy. Maybe it's the place you know upon which people are standing or something like that. And the the luchot are uh, referring to boards. Uh, what kind of boards? Uh, perhaps it's some kind of stand that you would the people uh, uh, people would put their scrolls on, uh, not when reading Torah officially, but you know studying children studying or putting a sefer haftarah. So something that is somehow used. And uh, in uh, from time to time, and uh, is not itself a, a sanctified object. That's one opinion. There's another interpretation interpretation altogether uh, by the Aruch, which is very interesting. And it says the Luchot and the Bimot are the margins, the empty space in the Sefer Torah, and the Baal says a lot of empty empty space, right? And you you know you cut it off. Um, so that that the margins don't have intrinsic kedusha, only where the writing is, and that'll be interesting to call the empty space uh, the platform for the for the letters where they rest. Okay, Amar Rabbi Shefatya, Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Hagolel Sefer Torah Sarich Shiamidenu Al Hatefer. When you're uh, rolling rolling closed um, a, a Sefer Torah. Then you should make sure that when you roll the two the two sides closed, that the seam is in the middle, uh, the place where the two two sheets are sewn together. The reason is because if someone would would uh, tighten it a little too much, it would pull at the seam, and that way, worse comes to worse, the seam will get undone, and that's relatively easy to fix. Whereas if you turn it to the page and then you tighten it too much, then the page might tear right in the middle of the writing. And then that will be impossible to fix. And so therefore put the seam in the middle. Okay, Amar Rabbi Shefatya, Amar Rabbi Yochanan, same sages, another halacha. Hagolel sefer Torah gololo mibachutz veeno gololo mibifnim. Okay, since the word golel seems to be referring to turn, uh, uh, turning it, so the same thing is here. There's two interpretations of what this golel is. Rashi says, um, you're, you're, you're turning the Torah, you want to turn it from one place to another. And so maybe you put it on the table or you put it on your lap uh, horizontally, right? Like this, um, a, a parallel to your body. And so what he's saying is, if you're cl- when, when, when you're rolling it, you should roll it from the outside roller. In other words, take the outside roller and, uh, and, uh, and, and roll, it, roll it towards you. Um, and be, the reason is because if you take the inside, if you turn the inside roller, then you don't have control of the outside one, and the outside one might roll off your lap or roll off the table. So it's more more respectful and more 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 control to roll the outside one. Um, okay, that would be the halacha. And then uh, the second part is But once you got to the place and now you're just tightening it, like you got to the place and you're gonna you're gonna roll it closed. In that case, do it from the one that's closer to you. And the reason here would be so that everyone could see if you're reaching over to the outside one, then you're covering the letters. And so you do the inside one so everybody can see where it is, and then you roll it closed. Okay, so that's all one interpretation of Rashi. Others interpret it where we're talking about Gilila and 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 uh, um, Hagba, all right, as, as Ashkenazim call it, or Levantar, as the Spanish call it, right? Once uh, one person is going to lift it up and show everyone, and then sit down, and someone else is going to roll it and wrap it. So the halacha is the person wrapping it should wrap it from the outside. Generally, when you're holding it up, the, the text is facing the person holding it. And then when he sits down, right, and closes it up, the other person is standing on the other side. So he's going to wrap it from the outside, 
right? So the, 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 the wrapping will first go on the outside. And then when he makes a knot, the knot should go where, uh, where the face of the text is. So he wraps it from the outside. Sometimes they wrap it around a couple of times, depending on what kind of uh, material they're using. And, uh, and then put the knot in the front. That way, when they open it, uh, they'll be able to put it down flat and open it from the front and won't have to flip it over. And so that's uh, good advice. And that's, that, is, that is what um, is still done today. Another halacha in the name of the same sages. When you have 10 people, well, you, do, you need a minyan in order to read Sefer Torah officially. So um, when you have 10 people there, the greatest among them should be the one to do the gilila. It's the greatest honor. Nowadays, we don't really follow this because, you know, we give a greatest honor to the person that gets the aliyah, mashlim, maftir, shishi, whatever. Um, and uh, the gilila is, uh, you know, physical work. Usually we give it, sometimes we give it to a young person, even to some, even to a, a child. Um, but in those days, Rabbi Yochanan saying, this is the highest honor. In fact, the one who does, who rolls this Torah, rolls it back up at the end, uh, receives the reward of all the people that read it beforehand. Now we qu- clarify. Wait, why should he take the reward of all of them? Everybody else, you know, they studied the parasha, they know it, they went up, they said the berachot. Why should the last guy take away their, their, their reward? So no, we don't mean he takes it away. It means he receives reward equal to all of them. Um, it's kind of like, you know, when you have a relay race, right? Uh, so, you know, the last person uh, to do the relay race, if he wins, you know, he gets, uh, he gets all the praise, the honor, jumps up and down, right? It's the, the, the closer, the finisher, um, brings everything together and, uh, uh, to, to a close. And so, too, uh, the person that does the final act of um, closing up the Sefer Torah, um, he gets equal reward to all the Eliyot that came beforehand. The same sage teaches another halacha. How do you know that you can, you may rely on a divine echo? Um, this is something that's lower than nevuah. Um, this uh, kind of voice that appears from seemingly nowhere, is it reliable or not? He says, yes, it's reliable because the Pasuk in Yeshaya talking about the end of days is going to say, and your ears are going to hear a word behind you saying, go this way, this is the way to walk. And you're going to turn around, there's no one there. Or it's just going to be a voice uh, that you can hear in your mind that tells you where to go. But there are limitations, not just any voice. Maybe you're just hearing things. Uh, it has to be something, un- something unusual about it, like the voice of a male, a male voice in a city or a female voice in the field. I guess the idea is that usually it's the men that are going and working in the fields uh, all day. And so if you hear a female voice in the field, well, there's no females around, must be something different. If it's a male voice, then probably just someone's talking to you. And the opposite, since all the men are in the field, so if you're in the town in the middle of the day, so there's more women there. And so it'd be uh, usual to hear the voice of a woman in the, in the town, but not the voice of a man. And so therefore, it's an unusual voice for the context. And also it repeats itself. And as you know, when you're thinking, should I do this? And it says, yes, yes. 
So the repetition is also another sign of a kind of a vow or something that is sure to come, like we see with the dreams of Pad'ah, right? They're doubled, and Yosef says they're doubled because they are sure to come. Okay, this is interesting because we also have another, another uh, Gemara elsewhere says that right? when the voice came out in the Bet Midrash and said, right? and then the Biyoshua stood up and said, sorry, we don't listen to a bat call. So that seems to contradict this. And perhaps the, read the, the difference is they were talking about halacha. Halacha is not decided by a bat call. Even if the bat call is true, and it really is God's will and Hashem's voice uh, uh, through that bat call saying we halacha should be like that. A halachic process doesn't work like that, right? We don't, halacha does not depend on prophets, even a true prophet, even the highest prophet in the world, except for Moshe Rabbeinu, cannot legislate law. And so therefore, it's just uh, Ill- illegitimate for the decision of halacha. But when it comes to non-halacha, if someone just needs, to, needs some advice and like, you know, what should I do with my life? Or which way should I go? Uh, should I buy or sell? And he hears a bat call. So for personal advice, Rabbi um, Yochanan uh, uh, says, you can rely on it if you can figure out this, these distinctions. Next, Beautiful halacha, someone who reads Torah without a melody or studies Mishnah uh, without, with, without a song. And Pasuk in Yechezkel says about that person, you see, I gave, Hashem says, I gave them laws that are not good because they're not enjoying it. Okay, what does it mean that he's uh, reading without, w- without singing? Well, we know in the entire Tanakh, we have Tamim, Tamim Mikra, Trap. And they have, you know, right, they're chanting and each, they have tunes. There's a lot of different tunes in different communities and different books have tunes. But when you read a pasuk with, with, uh, with the ta'amim, first of all, you understand it better because, uh, you know, you put the accent on the right place, you put the punctuation in the right place. And it also makes it memorable and more beautiful. And so, too, even with Mishnah. Here's a manuscript, the Parma manuscript of the Mishnah. Not on every word, but on some words, you can see that there are, in fact, tamim, like hechsher here. There's an atnach, a mikdash atnach, right? There's atnach, there's a lot of places that tell you the place to, uh, to pause. Uh, and there's also some others, like on the word hatahor. And these are reflective of uh, a chanting tune that was used for the recitation of the Mishnah, and that we still use nowadays when we read Bamim Adikin, uh, on Friday night in uh, in in the, in Beit Knesset, right? That's the Syrian tune, but uh, Spanish of a different tune. And so this that that would be the tune. Whenever someone studied Mishnah, they would say it in that chanting tune, and that shows our love for learning Torah, not just dry laws, right? But it's something that you make into a song. It reminds me of a, 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 a Spanish poet who took the entire Shulchan Aruch and turned it into verse, rhyming verse. And um, uh, kind of like azharot, uh, uh, all the all the uh, the all the mitzvot in in rhyme, which just shows the the love and the beauty of the of the of the Torah, Torah and halacha. Okay, so that's a very beautiful statement. Matkifla baye, hold on. Abaye challenges. Bishum Wait a second. Just because a certain uh, student doesn't have a nice voice, not everybody has a beautiful voice. And so just because he doesn't have a nice voice, you're going to tell him that the laws that he's learning are ones that are, are, are not good. 
and the continuation of Pasuk is that you cannot live by. So that's not, you know, that's not really fair. A person can still love it, even if he doesn't have a nice voice. So rather, a second application of the same Pasuk, which is you have two sages in one city. And they're not pleasant with each other regarding matters of halakha, right? They don't, they don't um, come to an agreement. Each one says, oh, he said that, he's wrong. What is he talking about? He doesn't know anything, right? And there's uh, competition and jealousy. So people look at that and then uh, they say, this is the halakha, the halakha is lotovim. Why should we live by it? So this is, this is a way of disgracing the Torah. But the opposite, when you have two sages and they come together and they agreement and they support each other, and even if they have machloket, they still do so, they still uh, disagree respectfully, then it uh, increases the honor of the halacha and makes it something good that people do want to live by. Amar Paranach, Anyone who handles, holds, holds a Sefer Torah naked will be buried naked. Okay, there are interpretations that talk about is it, is it talking about the person or the Sefer Torah? If it, is that the person is naked? It's not nice to uh, hold a Torah while naked. Um, but the m- most most interpreters say it's talking about the, 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 the um, Sefer Torah. If you want, touches the Sefer Torah directly with one's hands um, without an intervening cloth, uh, talit or handkerchief or um, or the or, or the the wood um, the wood poles. Um, uh, so this is to keep some distance. You want to show respect for it, like we saw before. What makes one's hands tameh? So therefore, one should approach the Torah with respect and not touch it uh, with bare hands, or else midah kenegimida. The person will be buried without burial shrouds. Adom sakadatech. And now we wonder. Wait a second. Is that really true? Ela em anikbad adom bilomisvod. Not physically that we're not going to give the person burial shrouds and bury them naked. We never do that. Um, but rather it means that he'll be naked from commandments. Wait, even that is a bit too harsh. Wait, he did. The guy did misvot his whole life. And then, you know, I don't know, one time or a few times he touched the Torah. He didn't, maybe he didn't know the halakha, whatever. He should be stripped of all of his mitzvot. It means that he's naked of that mitzvah. That mitzvah that he should have gotten from doing gililah, from reading the Torah, right? Then that, that one is lost. But that doesn't mean that the rest of his mitzvot are lost. Sabah, Mishmed did be anai Rabah. Okay, uh, so there's a lot of uh, people named to be anai, one named after each other. Uh, perhaps if they're all a family, well, some of them are a family, right? So it looks like one, two of them are a family in the name of another to be anai, the great one. Maybe that was uh, yet a grandfather. Mutav uh, This is when you're wrapping up a sefer Torah, you should leave the Torah in place and take the wrapper and put it under, go around. You know, you pick up the Torah, put it under again, leave the Torah and move the wrapper and not the opposite. Not you shouldn't lay out the the cloth and then take the Torah and roll it into the cloth. That's not respectful for the Torah to keep having to roll the Torah. And finally, we learned from the, this Pasuk in Vayikra that Moshe declared to Bnei Israel all of the appointed seasons, all of the holidays. 
So what do you mean he declared to them of the holidays? He told them when the holidays would be. But more than that, he explained it to them. And so we learned since Moshe did that, so we also, and every holiday, we should read a Torah portion that relates to that holiday. And we saw the whole list yesterday. Moshe further established for Israel that not only should you read the Torah portion on that day, right? but by then it's too late. Oh, today's Pesach. I didn't realize. I don't know anything about it. No, no, you got to prepare from before. And so therefore people should begin asking questions and the, the rabbis and sages should begin giving lectures regarding the upcoming holiday um, uh, for uh, uh, the laws of Pesach. They should, they should be done on, on Pesach, uh, on Aseret, and the laws of, of Sukkot on Sukkot. Um, so in other words, not only are you reading Torah, but also the derasha uh, the, will, will be related to the parasha that you're reading and to the holiday so people will know the laws. Okay, here it doesn't say that you start reading them before, but we did see, I see elsewhere that you start learning the laws of Pesach 30 days before Pesach. And uh, why are we ending Masechet Megillah with this? It has nothing to do with Purim. Maybe for this very reason that when Purim ends, you're already 30 days before Pesach. So then, right, we end as we end Masechet Megillah. It already gives us a hint. Oh, start the next holiday and start learning about Pesach 30 days before. And with that, we, uh, we complete Masechet Megillah and we'll have a formal siyum uh, tomorrow morning with, uh, with, uh, after Shacharit. Baruch Adonai Amen ve'amen. Chazakim u'beruchim.